0: As moms, I think we are all familiar with the concept of a to-do list. However, what would you say if I told you today, instead of giving you a to-do list of how to be a better mom, I'm giving you a to-don't list? Stick around as we learn what not to do from this mom of the Bible. Welcome to the Faithful 31 Moms podcast, Wherever you find yourself today, multitasking or just trying to catch a quiet moment alone. I'm so glad you're here as we learn together how to live out our faith and point our kids to Jesus. I'm your host, Mallory Allen. Thanks for joining me today as we continue learning together about different moms from the Bible. Rebecca has the spotlight today. And her story is more of a what not to do story. It starts off good. As we meet Rebecca as a young woman, she's by a watering well and she's helping a stranger get a drink. That stranger turns out to be a servant for Abraham who was actually on a mission to find Abraham's son, Isaac, a wife. Not a big page turner yet in a story. Rebecca turns out to be that girl. So she is taken home to Abraham and Sarah to marry their son, Isaac. But Rebecca's motherhood journey did not actually begin for another 20 years. So that's where I want to land today. The Lord, He eventually blessed Rebekah and Isaac with twin boys that the Bible said wrestled in her womb. So this is just foreshadowing the future. Esau, he was the firstborn of the twins, and then Jacob came next. So it says in the Bible that Jacob came grabbing Esau's heel. So from day one, Jacob was always fighting to be first, and this really only continues through adulthood. As you read the story, it's easy to see that Jacob was clearly Rebecca's favorite, and Esau was Isaac's favorite. And you and I both know that having favorites with our children is a dangerous game to play, right? And this story is a really good example of why that's true. So let's continue on with the story. Isaac, he's getting really old. They had to wait a really long time to have kids. He's really sick. And he sends his favorite Esau out to hunt for him some dinner. And he says, when you come home, I'm going to give you your firstborn blessing. This was just a fancy way of saying in the Bible, it was something that the, the father did with the firstborn son, a blessing that he gave only the firstborn. So... This is when the story starts to get a little tricky. Rebecca overhears Isaac telling Esau all of this, and she takes matters into her own hands here, where she probably should not have. Rebecca tells Jacob to help her fix a meal for Isaac and that he was going to disguise himself as his brother and trick his father into giving him the blessing instead of Esau. So you can already know, you've probably heard this story before. This is not a good idea. So Jacob realizes this. And when he questions his mom, Rebecca tells him in Genesis 27, 13, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. So Jacob did what his mom said. And so you'll see Rebecca eventually eat her own word. Because when Esau came home and he found out what had happened, right? You can imagine he was mad. He was furious. He was threatening to kill his brother Jacob. So Rebecca tells Jacob to run away to her brother Laban's house until things settle down. More bad advice. Come on, Rebecca. I'm sure she thought telling Jacob to flee in this moment was good advice, But really, he was only running instead of, you know, facing his brother, apologizing, trying to make peace with him. None of that happened. So looking at the bigger picture, this was really bad motherly advice that would forever keep these two brothers at odds with one another. Plus, Jacob, the favorite, he would never actually return home again. So I guess the curse really did fall on Rebecca. Like she told Jacob that it would in the beginning when he questioned her. So that's really sad, isn't it? I mean, you think about... Your kids being constantly at war and maybe even never seeing one of them again, that that's a really sad way to end that story. You probably are hearing all this and thinking what I did when I studied this story about Rebecca. Just asking yourself, really, Rebecca? You should have known better. Like somewhere in that story, you should have known better. But I want to challenge you today not to be too quick to judge Rebecca. You and I may not be dealing with a once in a lifetime blessing for our children like Rebecca was, but our kids are watching us. We have their ear. They are listening to us. They're looking to you, they're looking to me for helpful encouragement and and wisdom as they're making these life decisions. They may be really small decisions right now and they get bigger and bigger as they get older, but they're they're looking to us for that godly wisdom. And I don't want to curse my children with bad advice or hold them back, you know, from what the Lord has for them just because I want to be in control, right? I need to be a mom that asks the Lord for wisdom so that when my boys do come to me for that advice, I can put my own selfishness aside or I can put what I want aside and instead. You can guide them to know how to seek out what God wants for them. And the only way to do this is through prayer and through being in God's word, right? Keeping humble so that you are ready for that. When that comes, when they come to you for that advice, you're ready to shelf your own pride or your own own advice or your own control, right? So Rebecca, she didn't do this. She played favorites, first of all. That was her first mistake and lost Esau from the beginning. And then her desire for control eventually caused her to lose her favorite son, Jacob, as well. And so you and I can learn a lot from this story as moms. First, I would say the first thing I see immediately is don't play favorites. If you have more than one child, they're each a unique gift from the Lord, right? Find out what makes them different, because we all know that our children have a lot of differences, right? Find out what makes them different. And instead of comparing them to each other, praise the Lord for those differences. Find out things to do with them that make them feel special. And I have a couple of examples I thought I'd just jot down because some practical takeaways from that. If one of your kids, let's say they learn to read or they get a good grade, maybe it's something that they haven't done as well with in the past, or they get a special honor at school, something like that, make a big deal out of it. You know, take them out for ice cream after school or let them pick the place that they want for dinner, even if their brothers and sisters or you or your husband do not want that. Let them pick what they want to do. Or another suggestion Maybe you have a child that's a little more shy in public or they have a harder time making friends. So when they express interest maybe in having a friend over, help them make it happen and then get excited with them when they make new friends. Or maybe your child responds best to affirming words. So when they do something well, let them know. I like to give what I call bedtime blessings to my boys. always tell them something that I love about them or something that they did really well that day. And then you're sending them off to bed with their love tank full, and they're they're ready to start another day. I know that some kids um, need more physical touch than others, and you if you have one of those, you already know that that's the case. But all children need to be hugged, right? Even the ones that pretend they don't like it. And so, Pastor Adrian Rogers actually has a quote that I love about this. He said, "Hug your kids often. Hug them supportively. Hug them tenderly. Hug them playfully." Even when that teenage boy says, oh, mom, and tries to pull away, inside, he still wants you to hug him. So just do it. So those are just four simple ways that you can love on your kids and make them feel individually special. Another thing that we can learn from Rebecca's story is to ask God regularly to help you, to help me, for us not to be control freaks, right? This is hard for us as moms to do. When you struggle... Ask yourself these two questions. Number one, is this what's best for me or is this what's best for my child? And number two, is this what I want or is this what God wants? And this question can only be answered by being in prayer and being in God's word. I want to really challenge you today as you're listening. Ask the Lord. Ask him to give you wisdom. Because the Bible says in James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to you. So all you have to do is ask. It says right there. Ask for it, and it's yours promised for the taking. And having godly wisdom, that's so important because it's always going to help you as a mom get your kids exactly where they need to be. And that's just right in the center of God's will, right? Not in the center of yours, but in the center of God's will. So staying in God's word is key to helping you be a mom of wisdom. And so this month, if you go to faithful31moms.com on our homepage, I have a 30-day scripture writing plan called Know and Live the Truth from our ministry partner, Love Worth Finding. And it's free for you to download. And it's just a really easy way for you to get started consistently being in God's Word. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you've been challenged. I hope that you've been encouraged. And if you've enjoyed this episode, there are two ways that you can help more moms find this ministry. Number one, if you'll just leave a quick podcast review, And number two, if you'll just share this episode with your mom friends on social media and you can tag me. That will help so much. And to catch all the latest, you can follow me at faithful31moms on Instagram. Thanks again and have a blessed day.